Welcome to the radio ministry of Cedar Grove United Methodist Church. May God fill you and transform you through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now for some music and then Pastor Brian Bully. Our Gospel reading today is from the Gospel of Matthew in the 13th chapter. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. 
But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seeds in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them into bundles to be burned, and then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin, and all who do evil, They'll be, and they will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, it's summertime, and the lectionary, the list of what, what readings we have each week, it brings us the farming parables. Last week it was the parable of the sower who sows his seeds on various types of soils with various results. And this week Jesus gives us the parable of seeds and weeds, or as the older translations put it, the wheat and the tares, an older English word which meant weeds. According to Matthew, it was the same afternoon that Jesus had taught about the seeds sown on the different types of soils. Jesus told a series of other parables that day, stories we call the kingdom parables. They all compared the kingdom of heaven to some everyday thing. We'll cover another couple next week. But this week we'll cover this story that Jesus told. The story that goes, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. And while he was sleeping and everyone else was, the enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared kind of like this picture on the screen. The owner's servants came to him and said, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? They said an enemy did it. The servant said, well, you want us to go out and weed? You want us to go pull them up? He said, no, because when you pull up the weeds, you might uproot the wheat with them. Let's let both grow together until the harvest. And at that time, I'll tell the harvesters, collect the weeds first and tie them in bundles to be burned and then gather the wheat and bring it into the barn. So Jesus told a couple more parables that day. 
And then he called it a day. He left the crowd and went into the house. Which house? Probably Peter's home, since Peter had a home beside the lake, and that's where he was doing this teaching. Jesus' disciples came to him, confused as ever, and they asked him about the parable. And Jesus told them, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. Now there he was using the name he always used about himself, which meant that he was the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. And he said, as the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be with the people at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they'll weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin, and all who do evil, and they'll throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father, and whoever has ears, let them hear. Let's look at this teaching, what it means for us to, here today. It's almost 2,000 years later. First of all, let's look at why did Jesus use these farming parables? Why not talk about computers? Well, the answer is simply this. Over 90% of the people who lived in that day, Jesus' audience, were farmers. There were very few restaurants. There were very few other jobs. Now, if we look at the disciples and their occupations... It gives us a distorted picture of life at that time for what we know is that four, at least a third of the disciples were fishermen and one was a tax collector. So we get the feeling that fishermen were a big portion of, of the workers in that day, but that's not true. You see, none of the disciples seems to be a farmer, but that was the occupation of almost everyone in Galilee at that time. In fact, Galilee where Jesus spent much of his time, where the lake was located, was known as the breadbasket of Israel then, and it still is today. It had better rains than the dry hills to the south, and actually had a warmer climate because of the low elevation. The Lake of Galilee is 800 feet below sea level, and that makes it a lot warmer. And that lake also keeps things warm. Notice that the parable and the ones we'll be looking at next week are known as kingdom parables. For Jesus begins them with the words, the kingdom of heaven is like. And so Jesus is not talking about life today so much as a future time, a glorious time that people will yearn for, a time when God's son will rule rather than earthly kings. Notice that the kingdom of heaven is still going to be ruled by a king, but the king will be Jesus the wise and good son of God, God walking upon the earth. We know this because Jesus usually referred to himself by that expression, the son of man. Now that comes from Ezekiel and Daniel. And in those prophetic books, it refers to this future man who will lead Israel into a new golden age. Jesus was telling his audience that he would lead them into a beautiful time when life was much better than the time in which they found themselves. Jesus was not talking about a new religion. He was not talking about a new church, but he was talking about a new way of living in a new type of 
kingdom, ruled by a new type of king, much better than the kings that they dealt with every day. This is what brought crowds to him in huge numbers. So let's break out the parable as Jesus explains it and see what this means for us. He says a man, Jesus, sows good seed in his field, and the good seeds are the people of the kingdom. Notice that Jesus doesn't make any judgment about whether these people are good or bad. The assumption is that people of the kingdom will be good simply because they're the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, sown as seeds by the devil, people who live according to the rules of the world. We often make the assumption that Christians are to work hard to be good people, moral, ethical, and righteous. We equate following the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments and such, to being good people. But here we get the idea that Jesus is more concerned with whether or not we want to be loyal citizens of his kingdom or be people of the evil one, the devil. Jesus is more concerned with our desire, our deep desire to truly follow Jesus and his commands and some abstract notion of whether we're measuring up as good people. For Jesus, those people who are trying to follow Jesus' commands, they are good people. If you're trying to follow Jesus' commands, you're a good person as far as Jesus goes. Those who are following the devil living as the world lives, the world ruled by the evil one, the devil, they are the weeds that need to be destroyed one day. But he'll give us plenty of time. We get plenty of time. He will not make his judgment today, but at the end. For you see, if we're trying to become a good citizen, obeying our king, then we will gradually become good people, fruitful, joyful to be around. It may take us 20, 30, 50 years or more. But if we're listening to the commands that have saturated the world from the time the devil began to rule the world, then we are worthless weeds, suitable only to be gathered up and tossed into the fire at the end. For at the end, Jesus will send his angels to rip out the weeds, sin, and all who do evil, and throw them into the blazing furnace. So we have time, but we are to follow Jesus to work to be doing what he asks. You know, farmers burn weeds so they won't reproduce. Grain is harvested. It's good and wholesome. Some is kept for the next year as seed, but the rest is turned into bread and cakes and flour, and all things good for life. But the weeds, they're only good to keep us warm on the cold days of fall when the harvest is happening by burning them. Jesus is clear in the parable that he is content to let weedy people live, live next to the good seeds, the good people of the kingdom. He's content with that because he doesn't want to rip out good wheat by, when he rips out the weeds. He wants us to live even though the weeds are there. Let's think about a bit about looking at a field. In the late spring, as the plants begin to grow, you know, everything is green. It can be difficult from a distance to spot the difference between a dandelion weed and a cabbage. 
It's difficult to spot the difference between corn and elephant grass. Everything is growing, everything is green, and it's only as the season progresses that we can begin to see the differences between the good plants and the weeds. This is the first issue. This is one reason he doesn't send us, send the angels to weed us out right now. It's difficult to tell the good plants from the weeds. And it's the same with people. At age five or nine or ten, who can tell if a child will grow up to be a model citizen or whether they'll become a criminal who hates God? If you look back on your life when you were in your early teens, some of you were wonderful children, shouldering responsibility, controlling yourselves, and others of you were sneaky little varmints. I know, I was once in junior high myself. And I was a weed, and you've told me your stories. Even as the children become teenagers and move into their early 20s, who knows? When I was 27 years old, I was still a weed. I thought that Christianity was a stupid idea. But now I'm a pastor. I've baptized dozens of people and led even more to grow deeper in their walk with Jesus. But no one would have thought that before I met Jesus except my wife, who actually saw me in those days. The world likes to take this parable in a very black and white way, or should I say a green and yellow way, because it's the grain that turns yellow like the sun, while the weeds stay green as their camouflage is lost toward harvest time. The weeds are green because they want to blend in with the wheat and not get pulled up. But gradually the wheat turns yellow like the sun and it glistens and it glows. The world would say once a weed always a weed because the world doesn't want people to change for the better. The world doesn't want us to become fruitful. The world and the devil who planted evil in the world wants us to stay unfruitful. Some people are just nice and other people are jerks and that's the way it always will be. That's the common perception in the world. But as Christians, we know better. We know that people can change from being poisonous weeds into wonderfully fruitful heads of grain. We know because that's what happened with us. We change from being weeds to being fruitful. Yet we often let the world's ideas come seeping back into our hearts. We remember what a troublemaker little Jimmy was in elementary school, and we have trouble believing he turned around his life when we meet him again in his 40s. One of the biggest bullies in my high school, a teenage drunk, a burglar, a violent guy who used many different drugs, spent many years in prison, came back to town years later leading an anti-drug group and founding another. Another guy I know was convicted of assault because of a drug gang issue, and he's now a pastor in the southern part of the state 20 years later. And the same applies to the girl who was voted most likely to by her high school class, and now leads the Sunday school class at another church. People can and do change with the help of Jesus. And we know this. But the world doesn't like it when people change because this is an uncomfortable reminder that everyone can change, including those who don't want to change. 
The second thing about this parable is that Jesus wants to give us, to give every weed as much time to change into a fruitful plant as possible, showing the good seed within. For a plant which grows only for itself is kind of the definition of a weed. It's a plant, but a plant that provides fruit, seed, wheat. It's what Jesus wants. Have you borne fruit recently for the kingdom? Or are you a Christian just because of what's in it for you, like a weed? Kingdom fruit is when, we, when first we change for the better, but then we help other people stop being weeds and become plants with good seed and fruit themselves. I know you contribute to this church your time and money and talents, but what are you doing for the kingdom of heaven? Jesus spoke a lot about the kingdom of heaven. But you know, when we talk, we tend to speak more about our church. And that's common in many churches. And that's where we need to change our outlook. Some people think about the kingdom, but more people in more churches think about their local church only. How many times over the years at different churches have I heard that we need to bring people into our church so we can pay the bills? How many times over the years have I heard that we need more people to help us do the things we used to do in our church? How many times over the years have I heard that we shouldn't do such and such because it would help another church and not do anything for us? Folks, that's church thinking. But Jesus wants us to think about the kingdom of heaven. Are you thinking, we need to do such and such because this will bring people to God, wherever it is? Imagine if we were in Ukraine and the Russians had just been pushed out from our village. Would we then ask all of our young men, our soldiers, to now come home and begin rebuilding our village? Or would we cheer on our soldiers, asking them to keep fighting until all the Russians had been kicked out of the entire country? Back in World War II, we had a similar thing. Did our grandfather stay home because the Japanese Navy or the German Air Force had never bombed our town? Or did they join up by the millions to go far away to fight evil, to keep fighting the war until it was won? They stayed in the fight because they had the idea of fighting for good and against evil all around the world. For they weren't fighting just for Parkersburg. They were fighting for the entire country. When people take a look and all they look at is our small church, they have a church mentality. But Jesus wants us to have a kingdom of heaven mentality. Jesus wants us each to do what we can to grow the kingdom of heaven, all Christianity. And consider the kingdom of, of heaven to be Christianity everywhere, no matter where it is. Whether the people attend our church or the other church associated with us or somewhere across town or in Morgantown or Atlanta or even in France or Syria and China or India. The kingdom of heaven is worldwide. And so we need to fight for good in our small corner of the world, yes. But we also need to have a mentality that says we will help in any way we can anywhere even if our small church gains no money and no converts from our efforts. Some people show us this, this 
heaven, this kingdom of heaven mentality by their examples. Sam Beaver has spent many days and much money in McDowell County helping the kingdom grow there. Brooks Lehman has spent much time in our assisted living facilities preaching to members of the kingdom who simply cannot provide anything to us except the blessings we get from talking with them. David and Brenda and Brooks and Patty and Jim have spent many hours and much money handing out testaments and Bibles to people locally and around the state and even in other countries so that the kingdom of heaven could progress. For the last three years, we've spent money and time every month supporting our radio broadcast with few visible results for the kingdom but simply with the faith that some people are listening and their lives are being changed by this broadcast. I admit it would be nice to get some feedback, but that's the meaning of faith. Doing what's right, even when we don't see feedback. We spend time and money on the Facebook Live broadcast. There at least we're receiving regular feedback that this helps people. And I know that the email newsletter is doing good because some of you have told me from the young pastor who told me about the newsletter sermons, I love them, to your friends far away who send encouraging notes, to people who work on Sundays and others who have told us that they read every week. We know that we're reaching the kingdom. In Galatians 6, 9, Paul told the Galatians, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. And so we need to break out of our local church focus and instead keep going with a kingdom focus. If you've been a person focused upon being a Christian just for yourself and your future, well, that's the beginning. The second step is to become fruitful for your family and friends, leading them into a relationship with Jesus. The third step is to become fruitful for the church as a whole. Step in to help. BBS could still use some volunteers. Hopefully you'll see tonight and say hi to Tracy. And Tracy will tell you how you can help with your time or talents or money. And Sam and Darla or others or myself can tell you how to become fruitful for this church if that's not your, your inclination right there to work BBS. But it's time now for us to step up to that fourth level. Speak to me. Let's take some time to discuss how you might help the kingdom of heaven how your time and talents and money might make a difference beyond this church, in our community, and in the world. And if you've been paying attention to our radio broadcasts, or watching our Facebook Live, or reading or listening to our email newsletter, or otherwise been following what we do here, contact me, and let's discuss how you can become involved in the work of the Kingdom of Heaven. The first step is to take a moment in prayer just as a dandelion seed is, born, is blown by the wind of God to wherever God wants it to go, ask God's Holy Spirit to whisper to you through that Holy Spirit and guide you to your place to serve in the kingdom. If you're here, you might want to come forward to the altar to ask God how you can get involved and what work he has for you. If you're listening or watching or reading, take time to pray by yourself. And since we're still talking about the soul harvest, let's sing this, Bringing in the Sheaves. So 
sowing in the fall, sowing seeds of kindness, sowing in the new time and the new year, waiting for the harvest and the time of reaping, we shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Grove United Methodist Church and Pastor Brian Boley would like to thank you for listening to last week's pre-recorded sermon. Join us live this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and on Facebook. We are located on Route 47, a mile and a half east off I-77, just across from WVU Parkersburg campus. Donations may be mailed to Cedar Grove UMC, 168 Old Turnpike Road, Parkersburg, West Virginia, 26104. Or you can text the word GIVE to 1304-244-1903 or visit our website, cedargroveunitedmethodist.org and click on the GIVE tab. This will bring up a form where you can determine how much you would like to give. Thank you and God bless you in your life.